or not. Here I ready go. or not. You can't Here hide. Here I go. You can't hide. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to LS Podcast. I'm Irene. And Manifesh. And we're very excited to have you here in our second episode. So what we're going to be doing today, we're actually very excited to interview an amazing woman. She is a leader in her community. She is incredibly smart. She is a psychologist. She's the executive director of a really cool nonprofit and reaching the youths, underserved youths' lives through flying. She's going to tell us a little bit more about that. This nonprofit is called A Different Point of View. And she also works for the Santa Barbara Unified School District. So she's definitely very, very knowledgeable about how can we gain tools to work on ourselves, to heal ourselves. And we're just so excited to have her here today. So... Um, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? We already did, but we just want to hear your voice and see. Well, I just love hearing you introduce me. I was like, oh my oh. goodness. <laughs> well, thank you for having me here. It's an honor to be here and to really, you know, follow into your mission because I think it's so important that the community has, you know, this education in a way that, you know, we can process it and have these conversations in a way that is positive, informative, and inspirational. So yeah. thank you for having me here. Uh, so my name is Alejandra Belen Cortez Narvaez Melo Lopez. Ouch! Ouch! Right from Mexico City, um, mm-hmm. and but I go by Ali. And um, you know, my mission is to be the person that I needed when I was growing up. And this topic is so important because I see it in every area in my life. My life is really devoted to underserved youth. But when you go into that, you know, when you're boots on the ground in the community, you hear and see so much. And to be able to transpire this information to the community is so important to me because I see it in um, the community when I, uh, I'm working with youth in their schools. I see it when I have to go into the homes. I do home visits. Mm-hmm. I also do parenting classes. Um, I also do it in the nonprofit sector where I'm working with uh, students and empowering them and enriching their lives. But you mm-hmm. can never disconnect from the fact that there's a family dynamic happening. You know, there's something, there, there's a, a gut feeling that something's not right. You can see it. I've had times where I'm doing a parenting class and the mom walks in with her, you know, her her bruises and a, and a, and a black eye with the perpetrator next to her. Wow. And yeah. here we are talk about, talking about parenting and how do we even address the violence mm-hmm. that is obvious? And it's the elephant in the room. Nobody's really talking about it. We yeah. don't know how to address it because we don't know if she's in danger. We just... You know, what resources can we bring to this person? Um, so I see it in all, all areas. Um, I'm my, my position's clinical youth outreach worker. Mm-hmm. And with that, that encompasses providing therapy. My background is I have my master's in clinical psychology, emphasis in the Latino community. And that was brought to me because, you know, as I was growing up as a Latina in this community and, you know, feeling like, why do I feel like something's not right. Why is Ashley's home so like calm and collected? And, you know, why is my community like always frustrated and angry? And we're always just talking, you know, mad crap about each other. And we're, we're under a lot of stress. And so as I grew up and, you know, entered my own, you know, uh, really toxic relationships and with low self-esteem, I realized as I was doing my master's that I'm like, oh, my God, why don't I know this? 
And then yeah. I start working with youth and I started telling this information that's supposed to be college level information mm-hmm. and they're getting it, they're understanding it. And then they're actually making changes within their own lives. And I realized if they have the tools, if they get it, because these youth right now, yeah. they have access to everything. I mean, they come up and they're like, yes. did you watch the latest episode of Game of Thrones? And I'm like, <laughs> you're, you're 14. <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, then fine. You know what? Let's give yeah. you the right yeah. information yeah. because you are the generation to break the chains. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're coming from generational impact and trauma. We're coming from, you know, just a, our ancestors, our history. It, it's everywhere. And how do we break it? It's just through education. And now we have to make it more informative and fun mm-hmm. at the same time, really direct because they get it. And they are the ones that are going to really translate this to their parents because they are translating it to them, right? Or they're bringing the information because parents right now are so overwhelmed with stress, with work. And this is not just um, what I come to understand more and more because, you know, I, my, my emphasis was with the Latino community. But I'm starting to see people coming through my door that are in, you know, what we would say a privileged home, mm-hmm. right? I'm, it's astounding to me to just sit there and say, like, you have all this and you are, I can tell that you are in a really, really toxic situation. How do we, it, it's astounding. So that just means that we need to really break through these barriers of the stigma mm-hmm. yeah. across mm-hmm. sectors of all mental health, all the isms, right? The, the racism, the sexism, the ageism. Um, we have to have these conversations and they're all connected. So from here on, all your podcasts are probably going to be connected to mm-hmm. all these yeah. themes and they're going to be weaved in. So it's complicated, and here we are to just give you the right information so that you figure out your own formula, right? How yes. to empower yourself. Yes. Yeah. And we're just so excited because we want to really get your get your knowledge and your skills so that we can dive a little deeper into how we define domestic violence, the science around it, the psychology behind it. But before we get started on that, we want to we want to share a little bit more about who you are. And your journey, because yeah. it, the work you do is very important work. And we would love for our listeners to also learn how, what, um, what got you to this, to this position today. And how, like, if you could, if you could tell us a little bit about what ways would you say prepared you mm. for where you are today? What happened in your journey that got you to this point today? Could you share a little bit about that, please? Yeah, absolutely. That's such a good question because that really will always tell you what your mission is. We kind of already have yeah. a calling. Mm-hmm. And if we are in tune with it, everything aligns. Yeah. And my mission <laughs> it started off at a, my parents got me into a Catholic school. And it was one of those Catholic schools that was run by nuns. So I wanted to be a nun. <laughs> and my parents were very happy. They're like, yeah, yeah, that's a great career. <laughs> um, well, I just, you know, like they were so kind. And I came from, you know, one thing that I've learned along the way is that hurt people will hurt people and healed people will heal people. And so at home, you know, and I'm talking about my home in general, like family and my community you don't realize I was like, I was surrounded by a lot of hurt people, right? And then I go to this Catholic school with all these nuns and they're so nice and so compassionate and mm. Jesus. And I, I'm glad that I grew up with kind of seeing like this and that. I started reading about Mother Teresa oh. and all these other mm-hmm. nuns. And that really, this is how my parents were like, uh, let's get this in contract. So they got a little napkin. They're like, okay. No. Yeah, because they wanted. Mirelos, no, yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> my trauma. <laughs> and then they brought it when I was like, oh, I want a boyfriend. They're like, haha, there's your little contract. You said you're going to be a nun. But as I grew out of that, what then I grew into this one habit. I um, had a journal. And in this journal, I would document all my classmates' names. Mm-hmm. And I would always be so interested about their life. So every time I got a little bit of information about their life or any observations, I would write it down. And I was so embarrassed because I thought it was like such a shameful thing to do. Like, like who, right? Like, what a creeper, right? Like, who is this weirdo? <laughs> I'm like, so tell me about your dad. And it was, <laughs> no, yeah, it, I swear. And I still remember being like, Amy, like, doesn't have a dad, but she's so outgoing. Why? And then I would observe her through the day. <laughs> I'm like, that, right? was, like college was, is little. I was, but I had that's no awesome. idea that was a career. I mean, in my culture, that's not a thing. And if you are seeing a psychologist, you are like super crazy the stereotype Mm -hmm. and I eventually you know let that one go and it was always my little like secret and I went into studying business because you know like that's what the money brings and as an immigrant family you know it's like go be a businesswoman so Mm -hmm. you don't have to go through all this and I loved my marketing classes and my advertising classes which all have to do with behavior Mm -hmm. right and then in the middle of my accounting class I had a panic attack and I'm like something's wrong right because I don't (laughs) get it and so I walked out and I'm like I have nothing Like, I have nothing. What am I supposed to do with my life? So I go to the career center, which I had never stepped into because, you know, we don't ask for help, right? Like, we're supposed to know it all. So I walk into the career center. I don't know anyone because I've never walked in there. And immediately with compassion and support, they're like, well, it's okay. You know, like, stop crying. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Stop. Just stop. Here's a tissue. Give you a moment. And I'll never forget the counselor I sat with as I told him the story. (laughs) Yes, he's like, do you know what a cul-de-sac is? I'm like... Why are we talking French? I have no idea what this is. <laughs> and then he's he showed me, and it's like, you know, it's it's kind of like a dead end, but it, that's such a bad name for it. If we were framing it into a cul-de-sac, you know, when you're driving, you actually, when you get that, you actually just turn around and go the other way, and you find your yeah. way. And it all clicked. And so he started asking me questions about what I used to like, and we go back to this question, like, what was your passion about? And he's like, oh, you're meant to be a psychologist, a therapist. And I'm like, no. No, 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 no. Let's not get there. But when I dove into it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can make a living out of this. I went home all excited. And my dad was like, estás loca. <laughs> ¿Cómo crees? Like, why would you? Oh, everyone, why would you make such an ugly change? And that's the thing for, for us as women. It's like ugly. It's like, ooh, ouch, right? Yeah. We don't want to be yeah. called ugly. <clears throat> Nobody does, really. And uh, so, but I stuck to it. I said, this just feels right. Mm-hmm. My gut feeling. Yeah. And I went through it and it was, you know, the best choice I've ever made because I really got to this place where when I work with the communities, with the families, with the youth and also other uh, service providers and communities and like city people. It's just amazing to be like, wow, we can really make a difference by just being yourself, by caring enough and being boots on the ground and providing information and education. Could you share with us a little bit of what now that you got to to that journey and just Learning to hear your own voice, mm. despite of what people so important around you might be like, mm. no, that is such a beautiful, beautiful thing to do when it comes to people out there that might be going through similar processes where they, everything around them seems to tell them, no, yeah. that's not the role for you. You actually belong here. Mm. What would you tell them? Like, how did you, back then, how did you navigate that? And could you share with people that are navigating through those similar processes now? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, 
your gut feeling is your guardian angel mm-hmm. always, but we we live with a lot of noise around us and a lot of, you know, uh, social norms that we're mm-hmm. supposed to be and do. So how do we connect with our authentic self will always be our challenge, unfortunately. And I think this is why we do what we do, because we know that if we had connected to our authentic self earlier, oof, you know, where yeah. all the things that we could already be doing. The good thing is that we're asking these questions mm-hmm. and broadening your circle of influence. Mm-hmm. We're so, I know we don't want to hear that's like, oh, you know, like, tell me who you're with and I'll tell you who you are. But it's true. It's 100 percent true. Exactly. Exactly. And that's just in our human nature. We're meant to do that to survive. Right. We have to assimilate to survive because mm-hmm. if we go into like the, evo- the psychology of evolution, if you were isolated, your chances of living were. Zero uh, to yeah. 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 You, you were you were done. So we still react that way, you know, with our fear, our um. When you broaden your circle of influence, you can actually like check balance with other people, right? Like, oh, this feels right. You can listen to the crowd, but also your gut feeling will go off when something sounds right and also when something doesn't sound right. Open it up, ask questions, do your research. Why not? You know, like we, if you are in one circle, you don't have all the information. Mm -hmm. You only have one version. In a time where we have so much technology, where we have so much information out there, Go and explore, you know, kind of go travel a little bit in your mind and your emotions. And it's fair to to say, you know, I want something more for myself. I like that. What challenges have you found now that you're doing this, Mm -hmm. especially with I want to say like the community, Latino community? They're like, well, it's been done like this for, Mm -hmm. you know, my grandparents did it like this and my parents did it like this. And this is how I'm going to do it. And how do you deal with that? Yeah, Um, it is always a challenge because, you know, I'm 33 now. And when I stepped into working with youth and I'm hearing the same things like, Callarita te ves más bonita, right? Mm. No digas nada. Don't don't tell other people our our secrets, right? Our secrets. Um, It's so challenging to break that norm. It's a cultural norm, right? And so we have to go around it with compassion, always, always with compassion. So listening first and my one of the techniques is yes and right we usually like, go into bro. like no don't do that i mean think about it when someone tells you like don't do that immediately you're yeah. like you go into deflect mode don't tell, yeah. me, what to don't do. tell me what to do that's what i'm gonna do yeah because mm-hmm. we are in a way it's judging a decision yeah. right that you are also making and that's what makes it so like hits home so it's important to say like oh i hear what you're saying yes right. and you know, how about these ideas or these thoughts or be curious yeah. as well? Like, well, why, why do you think like that? Or where did you hear that from? Also gives a good um, idea of where they're getting this information. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I do my parenting classes, I go straight forward and say, you're here because what you're doing isn't working and that's okay. We're only going to adjust because the word change. I think one of you mentioned change. Change. They don't like change. No, no, no. And that's scary. You know, Uh, it's been working for them, quote unquote. But -hmm. also that's why they're not breaking out and succeeding as much as they would like to. And so we just have to bring that that thought. I'm like, it's not working. And that's okay, Right. We're just going to adjust. All you have to just adjust a few things. So we're going to figure out what is working. We're also going to figure out what's not working. I'm going to give you some education on it. Mm -hmm. And then you get to create your own formula. 
So when you tell people like you get to create your own formula, it's like, oh yeah, like it's 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 gonna be for me. So you go, you help them click to their authentic self. Yeah. And speaking of that educational piece, mm -hmm. I, I I think this is a good time to start diving a little deeper into domestic violence and the stigma yes. around domestic violence when it comes to going back to basics. How would you define domestic violence? Domestic violence is something that begins deep, deep, deep rooted inside. It's a wound, right? And if that wound isn't taken care of, it is open to more toxicity, right? Um, if we go back to the origin, it's like domestic. It's mm -hmm. internal. It's so secretive. There's so much taboo around it because mm -hmm. it's domestic. It's within the family. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's within, it's quartered in, right? Mm -hmm. And it's violent. At the end of the day, um, it's so important to acknowledge that violence comes in so many different ways. It's not just, you know, the punching, you know, it's verbal, it's the threatening, it's the coercion, right? Using kids, you know, as a, as a shield, um, these threats, gaslighting, right? Making you doubt your own self. That's mm -hmm. violent, right? It's like, they're not respecting you as a person. So it's a lack of respect. And it's also very within the home, within the, it's protected, unfortunately. Do you think that there are specific signs or patterns that we mm -hmm. see in, in the sight of the person causes someone to inflict pain into others in different ways, being physical, being emotional? What is happening inside of them? Yeah, I think it's really important to look at this as there is no face to domestic violence. This affects people across the board, there is no uh, discrimination against this issue. It happens to women and men. Mm -hmm. It is happening to uh, teens. You know, there's teen uh, violent dating. Um, it happens in high-income homes. It happens in low-income homes. It happens in, you know, the middle-income homes. And that's what makes it so difficult because domestic violence, there is a cycle. It's a cycle that when you are introduced to a, a person, you don't know which cycle they're in. You can be looking at a couple and be like, oh, my God, they're so in love. And yeah. you mm -hmm. don't know. And you can actually, when the person comes up to you and says, like, oh, my gosh, I'm having a really hard time, we maybe caught them in the romantic cycle. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go like, well, no, try to fix it, right? Try to fix it. See if you can do something. It's really hard to kind of pinpoint these signs, and that's okay. That's really, I want my message to be, it's okay if we can't figure out the signs right away. Uh, but once your gut feeling says something like, oh, I did not like how that person responded, mm -hmm. or you saw, you know, the person grab the other person's hand a little tighter than you know is respectful, mm -hmm. right? Early signs do come across also in um, isolation, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, they come in, you know, there's there's a, like there's a peaceful moment, but there's like an undertone. There's these little like jabs, verbal jabs that you're noticing because the person can go into a like a, this is a long term thing. We've heard of mm -hmm. stories and I've seen it myself, too, where it's a person who came out of already a domestic violence situation and they're in it again. Or, you know, they're about like five days before getting married. Right. All of a sudden the attack happened. So this is kind of a long term um, process. It's not something that just, oh, my gosh, she's, you know, violent. She's violent. Mm -hmm. It's something that is a process. It's almost a game. And there's two types. Usually there's the cobra 
type and there's uh, the pit bull. So the cobra is one that both kind of go into this, the cycle is the romantic, romantic, romantic. Everything's great. The Romeo love, mm-hmm. you know, the gifts, the this is the perfect person for me. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, it's like, well, you know, I, I you know, that friend, I don't like that friend. So let, you, if you notice this person kind of starting to withdraw, their light starts dimming slowly. Mm-hmm. It's not immediate. Right. And then. Once they have them in a safe place for them, right, where it's like they're isolated, they're doubting themselves, they the cobra will strike, right, kind of like out of nowhere, the attack, the physical attack. And the pit bull will be more of the emotional abuse, like, oh, I have all my insecurities, hug me, and then boom, there's an attack, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The cobra type usually doesn't really apologize. They're kind of like, oh, it happened, it was your fault, um, and the cobra type tends to be a little bit more aggressive where you see the mm-hmm. cobra type, uh, type using more uh, more extreme violent uh, means like weapons, right? The gun, the the knives, um, the coercion of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, hurt your kids. I'm going to hurt your mom, right? So I think it's so important that either whatever it is that we don't judge because mm-hmm. when we find someone who's in the solution and we say, you need to get out, they might really not be able to because there's such huge danger. Like that person knows their schedule because that person knows them so well. I mean, they know what they're good at. They know what their insecurities are. They know what their weak points are. They know everything. So that's why it's the long-term game. They really get to know them so well to lower their guard, to get them to trust them so much. And then all of a sudden, these little things start happening and the person is questioning themselves and usually it takes about, um, the statistic shows that it's about seven times for the person to really leave the relationship, right? So when you're meeting someone or you already know someone, you don't know which turn they're doing. You don't know where they're at. Because um, the cycle, the person really understands that there's that romantic phase, and then there's that tension, and then there's the abuse, right? Mm-hmm. And the abuse is never the same. The abuse can just be purely emotional, but that is violent yeah. as well. And it could lead up to that. 4,000 people are killed because of this issue. Yeah. So we have to address this also in the seriousness that it is that you will die if you don't get out of this situation. Right. And sometimes that's what it takes. But we nurture sometimes the like, oh, your feelings. I don't or, or they're like, I don't know how to tell her or him. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if we are that person that we're seeing it, we have to present that I, that very truth fact. You will die. And I've, I've talked to some women and that's really what worked for them. Um, I myself, when I was in my toxic relationship, what gave me the courage to really get out was I'm going to be unhappy for the rest of my life. And with children, it's they're going to be unhappy. So you have to kind of plant that seed of the yeah. future, right? Because they're so in the present and they're in survival mode consistently, mm-hmm. always in survival mode. Yeah. And what do you think are good ways for people? For example, family is abusive and then the kids grow up and they become abusive. And it's mm-hmm. just like, well, my dad did it. And for victims well, or survivors, what are things that they can do to just not go down the same route? Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Yeah. Because I know there's like people listening that maybe they don't want to do that. But for some reason, it's just there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it was part of your history, your upbringing. How do you work around it? Yeah. I think the 
development of yourself, focusing on yourself. I know it's it's overrated now. It's like, oh, love yourself, love yourself. And what does that really mean? But to really understand, like, how do I love myself, mm-hmm. right? And those little, little things go a long, long way. For example, it was like to start eating healthy, mm-hmm. right? If you start just doing a walk. Um, again, going to broadening your circle. Usually what happens for our victims, unfortunately, is that they've been so isolated that they really have no connections. Uh, trying to to find another person. It, it could be scary because the perpetrator might have already planted that really deep thought that's like, nobody cares about you. Yeah. Nobody thinks you're, nobody's going to believe you, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just... I think the more we're presenting this information, you never know who could be listening to this podcast. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. This kind of, you know, messaging could be reaching people because they have that one moment on their phone, right? That they can actually listen. You mm-hmm. never, never know. But to be able to cut the cycle, you have to be aware. You have to be, you have to understand and really name it to tame it. Mm-hmm. Right? You got to really name what it is. And I think that's why this cycle continues because it's so hard and it's, Usually the stereotype is like, oh, it's a Latina with five kids, right? So if you're not a Latina with five kids, then you're not under a domestic violence situation, Mm -hmm. right? You're not experiencing violence. That's just love, right? Or you're just being a really good girl or a really good partner, right? Because you're compassionate and empathetic. Um, So you have to, the best way to do is what we're doing now is giving the information so that someone can identify it and name it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I am I am in this cycle. I am experiencing um, domestic violence. I am experiencing sexual, uh, physical, verbal abuse because mm-hmm. verbal yeah. abuse starts leading to more yeah, and more. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it hurts and it can cause damage, too. Right. What would you say? What's the role? What role does our self-esteem play mm. in, in the domestic yeah. violence equation? It's it's the key. It's the core. Um you know, like I said earlier, it's like, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. And that's what they will do. They will find a way for power, right? There's a power role. Um, it would be nice if, you know, the perpetrator was like, oh my gosh, I feel so insecure and I should go work on myself. <laughs> that <laughs> right? would be, we would not be yes, here. <laughs> we would not be having this conversation yeah, today. It would be so nice if that was a situation, but it's not. It's society, but also cultural of the machismo. Right. Like it's okay to act this way. It's all right. It's protected. I mean, you see even women protecting this like, oh, he's he's just mad. Oh, I've heard this. He he was just hungry. He was having a bad day. He was having a bad day. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So it's 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 and then understanding that like for cultural and I mean societal, too, but for the Latinas and because you asked about Latinas as well is the Marianismo, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I have to be like the Virgin Mary because that's Mm. generational wise. And we go back to, you know, like all the way back to our ancestors. Even the the Mayas were told you have to be like this one goddess that kind of looks like this Virgin Mary and you have to be that person, right? You have to be a good girl. You have to be a good girl. Sacrifice. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. that word, especially, well, in general for women, but also for for minorities, the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. That is honorable. Right. So sometimes going through this trauma, going through this abuse is honorable. It's almost a badge. And how do you tell someone you want their badge? You know, like, let me let me take that's that badge. all they have. Or uh-huh. you, they went through all of this and that's all they have. And you take it away from them and they all they have is the abuse. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for, you know, my children. Yeah. I'm doing it for for us as a couple. You know, we have to fight through this. We'll we'll get to a better place because he mm. told me we would. 
right? Yeah. Or she told me we would. And so, um, yeah, so understanding that part is, is also important. Um, yeah. In terms of resources, mm -hmm. like if we know someone or we are going through something like this, Yes. Where where do we go just to start getting more information? Even what when you're talking about Marianismo, I had not heard. I've seen it in my culture, but I ha I didn't know there was a name for it. You right. know, and just I think that it's just so beautiful what you're saying, name entertainment, because it works with so many other issues that we have to go through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What resources would you recommend people can go to to learn more? Yeah. And to start working on that healing, especially if they're victims of Marianismo and they feel proud of, of wearing that badge. How can we make them see that they can wear so many other badges that would be way healthier for them? Yes. How do we do that? Yes. Where, do we, where do we go? Um, so checkpoints are really, really important um, that are people that you trust. But there's also because it's such a big issue and so many people are dying and there's a, I believe it's a three million um, incidents are reported a year. Here in the United States, three only million in States. only in the United States, and those that are reported, because I I believe yeah, that most yeah, of them exactly. are not even right, right, right. And so, but luckily there are uh, community resources that you know nationwide you can look into. Um, if you text listen to seven four one seven four one, that's a twenty four seven counseling line, right? And then you start building that habit of like, okay, I, something's not right, I can call. Um, you can call uh, 866-331-9474. Um, they have uh, trained uh, peer advocates as well. Mm -hmm. So those are lines that you can connect nationwide. Also, yeah. every community has a domestic violence uh, center, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we are mm -hmm. in such a great time where people want to do mm -hmm. something about it yeah. and providing the information. But then there's also people who go to the homes and start leaving cards, you know, mm -hmm. just a little reach out of saying you're not alone. And the truth is you're not. So many people are going through this. And we want to make sure that we provide the compassionate conversation, mm -hmm. the platform to be mm -hmm. compassionate with yourself, whether you are a checkpoint of, oh, my gosh, I didn't see the point. I didn't see the signs. Yeah. Well, how could you? Right. It's it's a really complicated situation. Mm -hmm. I know you're all talking about also uh, sex trafficking. And that's so important because this also connects to that. As mm -hmm. someone encounters this, they become, um, they call it the Romeo pimp, who really does the, really start grooming them, where they start, you know, buying them their nails, their eyelashes, their clothes, like, I, I'm yeah. taking care of you. And that leads also to this kind of abuse. Um, yeah. And it just transcends more and more. So with human trafficking, I feel that sometimes through the domestic violence will be, you know, our route for it. Um, that is something that I went through, um, abused through my whole childhood. And, you know, when I was 15, my mom basically sold me, you know, to somebody. And, you know, it's just, you feel like you can't tell anybody. You feel like you, no one's going to believe you. And that's your mother. So you can't go against her, mm -hmm. especially with Latinos. Like your mom is, you know, everything. You have to respect her and do what she right. tells you to. And feel like, okay, well, this is what I have to do. And that's, like you say, people have to know that you're not alone. But when you're a child going through abuse your whole life, you think you're alone, especially if you were trained or thought you can't let other people know. Like, you have to be a good girl. Mm -hmm. You have to be this little perfect girl when you are out in public or when you are out with people. 
you have to be a good girl. Mm-hmm. You can't. You're going to shame me if you're not a good girl. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's exceptional, the work that you're doing. Um, it You're making it count. That's what we're trying to do. You know, mm-hmm. Make a difference. Let people know that, you know, they're not alone. And even if they reach out to us and, you know, we can try to reach out to you and find them help anywhere that they are. Mm-hmm. You know, we are here and no one's alone. Absolutely. And no not every situation is the same. And that's why it's so hard to like, like, well, I didn't see the signs or what are the signs? Your gut feeling, your gut feeling will tell you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, These issues are not cookie cutters. They don't all look the same and they change. I mean, with like, with sex trafficking, now Mm -hmm. it's on the social media, you know, that's where they get their victims. Another sign for teens, especially if you're working with teens, like they're not coming to school. Something's up, right? Legally, they're supposed to be there. Um, and the parents dodging some phone calls or things like that, your gut feeling instantly goes off, especially for girls. It's like, oh, well, you know, I guess, you know, she's following orders with parents or, you know, yeah. they're doing what they're supposed to do. Or where they come over, we're introduced to other people. They'll, they just present so well. I had a situation when I was working with teens and there was no way. I actually thought she came from like a really high income family because mm-hmm. she came in all the time, like really just happy and peppy. And then it was like when I found out, my jaw dropped. So yeah. what I hope to promote and advocate is that no, there's no like cookie cutter to this. There's no one certain situation. When you sense something, when you feel something, report it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Go ahead, mm-hmm. call, do a CWS report. And CWS reports, I know there's a stigma behind it, right? Like, oh, what are they going to do? You never know if there's already been a record for that person, for that Ooh. family. Because sometimes we look yeah. at the individual and I'm like, there's a family there. There's a community within that household, mm-hmm. right? So listen to that gut feeling. Um, if you are a uh, checkpoint for somebody, you might experience some vicarious trauma where you are starting to feel the trauma yourself. And you might you might not be able to be sleeping. You mm-hmm. feel anxious. You lose your appetite or gain appetite. I mean, a lot of things can happen. Everyone's different. Um Go ahead and, you know, talk to somebody. I really advocate to talking to a therapist, right? They're yeah. trained, yeah. you know, in our field, we learn how to listen, um, actively listen. And a good therapist, because in any kind of profession, any kind of profession, unfortunately, yeah, I won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> it's another episode. Um, but they listen, they really listen, and then they just throw out a question for you to navigate yourself, for you to empower mm. yourself to make a decision, right? Mm. So empowerment goes a long, long, mm. long way, and it might not happen immediately. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because there is people that will say something and people won't believe them, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And they're like, well, if I already tried once and that person didn't believe me, then right. it's only going to make it worse for me. Why would I continue to try to find help? Exactly. And that starts early on, you know, when they're little kids, Mm -hmm. teenagers, and then as a young woman, by the time, you know, you're a full adult, you already have it ingrained in yourself. It's like, you feel like there's nothing that can be done. So why even try? Yeah. Um, When I was in high school, I actually went to the principal's office and I told them what happened. They called my mom. Instead of doing a report, they just called my mom. And I was like, well, that's great. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Yeah. Bring her over. Yeah. And she just said, well, you know, she's just angry because I'm not letting her see her boyfriend. Obviously, they believed her because I was some crazy hormonal teenager Mm -hmm. that was just mad at my mom. Yeah. And then it's just like, okay, well, 
they're gonna people are gonna take her side no one's gonna believe her why would i just go against her so right i just accepted it mm-hmm. and you just stay with that and no matter how many times you try to just get away from it for one reason or another, when you went through all of this, you keep going back because you still, even though you don't want to believe it, you believe that's the only person that cares about you. That's the only person that loves you. So if something goes wrong in your life, you're like, she was right. I mm-hmm. I can't do anything right. I Because that's in your brain. You know, mm-hmm. like you just believe it so in your soul that you were just not good for this. You're not good for that. She's the only one that will be there. She, that person's the only one that's going to love you. And you end up going back and back and back no matter how many times you try. As soon as you fail, you're right back to that because you're like, well, she was right. I yeah. should go back. I can only count on her. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it happens. It's just, you know, we, we mold into that. You know, it's like kind of like the, the Stockholm syndrome. It's like, yeah. well, you start actually trying to please them for survival. Right. And you can't be mm-hmm. mad at that person for trying to survive. They're trying mm-hmm. to stay alive. They're trying to, you know, be able to make it to the next day. So, you know, in this situation, you're day by day, mm-hmm. right? So that's why bring on the compassion, bring on the active listening, mm-hmm. right? And then every time your gut feeling goes off, make that report. And then you can find the number if you just, based on wherever you're located, CWS near me or mm-hmm. CWS yeah. in my city, and the number will pop up, you'll find it. Um, but it's always good to know that, you know, you, you try to do something about it, too, because then that kind of sets in. It's like, oh, I didn't do anything right. Or I just let it happen. No, it's it's complicated. But if you but I we encourage you to take action. Right. Try mm-hmm. something. It might not work yeah. right away. That doesn't mean you're a bad person or you weren't able to solve the problem. That's where people sometimes are like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. Well, this is a very complicated um issue that's so psychological that's mind and body Mm -hmm. Uh, when we talk about our emotions you know the fight flight and freeze people freeze Mm -hmm. people freeze and then we victimize we're like oh my gosh i can't believe they stayed there you know there's there's a lot going on in our body that is trying to survive and we cannot Mm -hmm. be mad at our our at the body and the mind that's trying to survive actually that's courageous yeah yeah yeah, so there's a lot, uh, you know, a lot of positive message that we can be bringing to our community, also, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. this is mm-hmm. a really heavy topic. So, you know, if anybody's listening right now and they're feeling really heavy, you know, just take a deep, deep breath. breath. Yes. Okay, you know, just you know, say that the fact that you're listening right now says a lot about your heart and your mm-hmm. mind and your willingness to take this information yeah. and love yourself for that. And go do something good for yourself. Do a yoga class, maybe with Irene. (laughs) I hope to see your videos out there posted. Coming soon. Coming soon. Go do a retreat. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that phrase. Do no harm. Take no shit. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's kind of like my mantra. Like, I think there's a lot that we need to, to make progress on. Without letting it affect us at a deeper level. Like, how are we going to use that frustration to channel our efforts mm-hmm. and use compassion? Like, right. compassionate leadership, compassionate progress, and really just take no shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And I like no explanation, especially when it comes to, like, women saying no. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you're, yes. you're used to saying no, and then why yes. you're saying no, even exactly. if it's like... No, I don't want to take a drink from you. No, I don't want to go on a date with you. Then, now we have to go on and explain to that person why not. And you shouldn't have to. You no just don't want to. And no that's mess. it. No. Like, yeah, I don't have to explain to you why mm-hmm. I don't want to sleep with you. No, I don't have to explain to you 
mm-hmm. why I don't want to go on a date with you. No, I, I don't have to explain to you why I don't want you to touch me. Right. Yep. Exactly. It's just no. And that's it. Yeah. Because yeah. we're always so like, consider their feelings, consider their feelings. Um, You know, it's it's my mind, my body, also my life. And I'm it's mine. Ownership. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Ali, where can people find you? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me at um, Ali, A-L-I, at a different point of view.org. Um, that's a nonprofit that I run, and it's really cool. It's a different way to empower youth mm-hmm. because I'm seeing all these things, and I'm like, how do we also twist it in a positive way? Yeah. So we actually teach youth how to fly planes or just go up on a plane and look at themselves and the life and the community from a different point of view. Amazing. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's just my short little plug-in of what we do um, to empower youth in a different way. So empowerment doesn't always have to be like, I'm going to save you. Empowerment <laughs> can look in like, hey, like, I'll mentor you. Yes. <laughs> right? Checkpoints. Yes. And share us uh, your Instagram because I, I follow her and she always puts these beautiful oh. messages. So everybody would <laughs> get benefited so from that. Yeah. It's a uh, time to be love. And that actually, that name actually came out of when I left my like toxic relationship because I'm like, it's time to come from love and not fear. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's time, T I M E, the number two, and then B L O V E. So time to be love. Mm. So, I love that. Oh, thank you. Ali Cortez, ladies and gentlemen. Alejandro what a, Cortez, le- yes, right? <laughs> yes, queen. <laughs> thank you so much no, for being you. here with us. What you're doing is so important. So, so important. So, thank you. And I mean, thank you for what you're doing. I really appreciate both of you. Aww, thank, thank you, you. Mi Reina. Thank you for coming. We love you. And. We know that you'll be back. She's she claro. plays a vital role in our workshop. So yes. if you want to hear more from her, claro que <laughs> sí, mi reina. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Um, it's it's always a pleasure to share this journey with you, and we're looking forward to our next episodes. Yes, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Here we come. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Ready or not. Here I come, you can't hide. Gonna find you and take it slowly. Ready or not, here I come.